Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. Boy, today's been an interesting day for lots of reasons, a little power problem here and there. But, you know, I said this before, oftentimes during the break, we have some great conversations. And we had Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com at the Times Picayune on at the same time with Matt McDonald, executive director from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. And, and uh, Matt asked Jeff a question. I said, whoa, whoa, stop. We want to hear the answer to that question on the air. So why don't we let's come back to this. Matt, ask your question of Jeff. Well, uh, let, let me preface it by saying I, I had the pleasure of getting to hear Jeff speak at the Goport Gridiron Club a couple of weeks ago, and very informative. And you know, I, I'm not so much a pro guy, so I like to get the, the scoop on the college game. And he had a little insight on Arch Manning and, and and the LSU coaching search. But you know what? If you don't shop for the groceries, you you can't be successful in college football. And my alma mater has always been pretty good shopping for the groceries, and I wanted to know about any updates on Arch Manning's uh, uh, future and where he's heading in college football. Well, you're not alone, Matt. I think everyone everyone in the South wants to know about Arch Manning, and I really believe that it's still up in the air. I don't think anybody has emerged as a leader, but I do think some of the issues that Texas is having right now, I mean, I think they've lost five games in a row really struggling under Steve Sarkeesian. He has done, I think, the best job of any of the head coaches in recruiting personally, Arch Manning. He's really developed a, a rapport with him. I think the family likes Austin a lot. I think they like the fact that maybe Arch would be kind of traveling his own road by going to Texas. So I think in some ways that's still attractive because it's a, it's a neutral choice for him. He doesn't anger anybody in the SEC if he picks somebody uh, outside the conference. So I think that's still an option. I think Clemson's kind of faded, to be honest with you. They have not played very well offensively. I know that's a big, big impetus for a point of emphasis for the Manning family. They want to see a modern pro-style offense. So right now, I'd have to say it's a shocking here, right? Georgia-Alabama battle, which could be a Georgia-Alabama national championship game as well. Uh, I think it's going to come down to those two programs, and I don't think either one of them is, has managed to kind of pull ahead of the other one. I think they're still very much in the evaluation phase. But, look, it's getting to the nitty-gritty because I know the Mannings want to make a decision after the high school season. So I would imagine sometime in January, February, he's going to make his call because they, want, they would like to commit to a school and create some momentum and bring some other top prospects in to the fold with him. He does not want to go into his senior year next year uncommitted. He wants to have that out, the recruiting process out of the way. Matt, do you have a follow-up? Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jeff, thank you, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks for willing to come back and uh, sure, answer sure. that question. Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all America needs is Alabama to get Arch Manning and, uh, for, <laughs> for three more years. I'm sure everybody in college football will love that if he commits to Alabama. But thanks for the question, Matt. Hopefully I'll see you all soon back over in, in Gulfport. Okay, very good. Matt, thank you for joining us, man. And uh, that was a great question. I, I, as I mentioned, I was in Bay St. Louis recently, and 
you know, anytime the Manning family comes up, everybody wants to know about Arch. What's what's his latest? And and uh, Jeff has written extensively about that. He's got incredible access to the to the Manning family, and um, and and we're lucky to have access to Jeff to to talk about things like that. So let's shift gears. How are you guys doing, man? I mean, there, I just keep seeing all these announcements getting made about one thing or another. You guys have really started to hit on all the cylinders, haven't you? Well, you know, we 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 had a little uh, little downtime in 2020 that kind of made us refocus and, and and rethink about some things that we were doing, and we didn't really change gears too much, but we were able to tweak some things. And you know, sometimes it's all about timing and being at the right place at the right time and having the right relationships. And right now, we're on a roll, and and we're going to keep doing it and, until until it runs out. So you've had some really, really interesting decisions you've made recently and some great successes. So why don't you kind of detail some of those for me? Well, we were very fortunate last week. We were awarded $1.54 million for a safety and security grant through the Restore Act. Uh, Governor Reeves uh, realized what we're dealing with in terms of the changes in society and things that are happening at large gatherings. So anytime that we can do something that that benefits the public and makes them feel safer and provides better security we certainly want to do that but it's just a matter of paying for it and this grant will allow us so what we're going to do sometime in the mid to latter part of 2022 is replace every bit of the exterior lighting at the at the facility the parking lot lights in every parking lot the facade lights and also at the same time install uh, the latest, greatest security cameras uh, throughout the parking lot areas and throughout all of the entrances. We have a lot of them now, but we're going to upgrade them and add even more. Uh, you know, cameras don't lie, and, and the threat of cameras sometimes is enough deterrent to where folks coming to do things they shouldn't be doing don't come. Yeah. Hey, so you watch, you have to watch because you're in the business, you're a leader in your, in your industry. Watch what happened over in Texas and you have to say, wow, we have to make sure that never happens here. What runs to your mind when you see that? Well, you know, you go back years ago in Cincinnati, I think it was The Who had a show there where there was people that got killed, got trampled trying to get into a general admission situation. And we fortunately, we don't have to encounter very many of those types of events anymore. Those kind of went by the wayside. Uh, but you're always you're always aware or you have to be aware that that when you have large gatherings, things can happen that that can create problems like that. And, you know, I don't want to second guess anybody. I don't have all the facts and figures, but commun communication uh, so far, what I've read sounds like that might've been one of the issues where they weren't able to communicate effectively. Um, you've got to have different things in place to where you can shut a show down if you have a problem. You know, so all of that is going to be looked at and, and I'm sure there'll be best practices uh, established from that. One thing for sure, you know, that in insurance will be going up. Uh, that, that's going to be a byproduct of this. And there will be some events that you won't be able to do anymore because you won't be able to insure them. So, you know what, when that fallout comes, we'll know it and it'll ultimately affect the consumer because the consumer either pays more or won't be able to go to certain events any longer uh, in the fashion that they've been presented over the years. What was interesting to me about that concert is that when I first heard the headlines on it, what I envisioned was 
sort of a stampede. But what actually played out was if you were in one part of the arena, you didn't even know that this was happening. It was just it just kind of well, as you pointed out, they didn't stop the concert. It continued on. And this the, there were these like uh, these you know, disastrous moments playing out all throughout the place. And unless you were near it, you didn't even know that it was happening. Gosh, that's just such a, that's, that really goes to communication, doesn't it? Well, and here again, I don't want to I don't want to second guess who did what or how they did it or what they didn't do, but just reading the the uh, accounts of what they've been able to ascertain that did happen certainly indicates to me that that communication might have made that a little bit better. Yeah. So Disney on Ice is coming back. You've got some cool concerts coming up. Give us kind of a rundown. Well, actually, today uh, will be our first performance of Disney on Ice. Seven shows, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, one Thursday night, one Friday night, three on Saturday, and two on Sunday. And they were just here back in April doing a make good from the show that we had to postpone in November of 2020 due to COVID. So already coming into the market in 2021 and then returning five months later, you would think that maybe the numbers wouldn't be as good. That's not the case. The numbers this time are actually stronger than the numbers were in April. So, uh, you know, once again, uh, pretty much everything we're doing is really working. And what we have seen even on the rescheduled dates that have already dropped off the calendar because they we were able to get them in, uh, KISS, uh, Mercy Me, um, uh, Martin Lawrence, all of those shows performed better than what they would have performed back in 2020 uh, in terms of what ticket sales were and gross revenues were. So, you know, I, I got to be really, really uh, happy and, and, and we're very fortunate that we've seen this uptick when we've seen it, not only in business, but in the results of, of the business. I mean, even Ron Myers last weekend was up significantly over the previous year. Um, you know, we have to pay our own way. You know that. I tell you that all the time. But by, by having this kind of success, it certainly makes it easier for us to do some things that we hadn't been able to do. And you got Morgan Whalen coming. That show, uh, we, we actually got that the day that we learned about the grant uh, from the state. So that, was, that, that Monday was probably the best Monday I've had in 2021. Um, Morgan Wallen is the hottest star right now out there certainly in country music, maybe in all genres of music, and his ticket sales are brisk. Uh, I know we're getting short and getting close to a break. Uh, when we come back, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight on how that's working and, and what he's faced as a star that got canceled. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. And boy, the ticket sales so impressive. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Matt McDonald from the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum and Convention Center. We'll see you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, when we went to break, Matt McDonald had just talked about uh, a situation where the council might have gotten canceled. So let's talk more about that. Tell, t- t- give give well, your point of view about the Morgan Wallen situation. Morgan Wallen is an act that's been around for a, for a little bit, not a long time, a little bit. Uh, three years ago, he played on our uh, Crawfish Music Festival stage. Uh, the very last show we did in 2020, before we had to pause from the for the pandemic was a Jason Aldine date in the arena that sold out. Morgan Wallen was the lead support on that show, and the opening act was a guy by the name of Raleigh Green. Since that time, Raleigh Green has headlined our Crawfish Music Festival stage back in April. He's going to be in the arena uh, January the 27th, I believe is the date, uh, or 28th. He's going to be there. Uh, as the headliner, and now Morgan is going to headline the arena on March 3rd. And Morgan's case, he was popular, but because of a slip of the tongue that he made amongst some friends that got caught on a cell phone video, everything kind of went off the table for him very quickly. And for whatever reason, maybe the public said enough because right now, He's selling more tickets than any artist out there, and he's selling them faster. And he could possibly break a record that we established back in June for gross ticket sales. He could possibly uh, move Little Baby out the way and take the number one spot in 44-year history of this building. That's how big he has gotten. That's incredible. That really is incredible. He broke away from the William Morris Agency. Tell me more about that. Well, I have heard that that's in the makings. I don't have that absolutely confirmed, but you know, he, he was not allowed to participate in the CMAs. The country music stations dropped his music. Uh, I believe his record label, he had some issues there. I mean, just a lot of things were happening for him that, that weren't good. And he has not only overcome that, he has surpassed probably all expectations that anyone could have ever had. And he went up yesterday with a number of shows on his 2022 tour that I would believe if they performed like ours did yesterday, that he is going to be a very wealthy man for a long, long time. That's really, really incredible. It's a case where the fan wouldn't enable their star in this case to be canceled and they they voted with their pocketbook and well, you know, the, the, yeah. there was a there was a bit of irony in the in the world series where they they took the all-star game out of atlanta for, for whatever reason and then they couldn't take the world series out of atlanta that would have been pretty that would have been pretty weird wouldn't that that is so, so ironic actually we should be talking more about that they don't want to talk about that because no. that irony doesn't play to the to the agenda or to but, the narrative it, it really doesn't. It really does. So you and I talked about this many, many times. You alluded to it just a second ago, but people generally don't uh, appreciate that the only tax dollars that might be involved in the Coliseum is just paying off some old debt. But at the end of the day, you guys are entrepreneurial. You're running your own show. You're having to run your own P&L. You, you make it or break it based on your innovative work. Um, when you set, assess sort of the state of affairs at the Coliseum these days, how do you feel about where you are? 
actually we're better off now, Ricky, than we were before the pandemic. Now, taking everything into account, some of that was uh, PPP money that we were able to get. Some of that was some grant money that was set aside for public assembly venues like ours that we were able to get. Some of it was just a lot of good fortune and a lot of hard work by our staff to make some things happen when other facilities and other markets around us were primarily shut down. And that along with the relationships that we've had for so many years, it, it's really all come together at one time to where our bookings are up, our revenues are up, our expenses are slightly up, but that's part of the cost of, of goods and, and transportation and labor and everything else. But, you know, I see 2022 and 2023 being phenomenal years for the building, not only in terms of events and revenues, but also the potential for a hotel uh, to be built here without any tax support. That's the key. No tax dollars will go to subsidize a private developer building a hotel on the grounds of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum and Convention Center. Uh, that's That will be an amazing uh, feat if we're able to pull that off, but based on the marching orders I have gotten for years from the powers to be, that's the way we're going to have to do it, and we're going to continue to push until we get that done. And as we know, I mean, as we know, I mean, it it would do so much to help on on a number of events to have sort of a headquarters hotel located near the grounds or on the grounds. I mean, it, well, it's actually on the grounds because you guys have bought the property, et cetera. So it's a, it's a transformational uh, need, and hopefully eventually you'll get it. Well, we're, we're going to keep pushing. We've got a, a developer out of New Orleans that, is, that has stuck with us and really wanted to make this happen. And he, he had some changes due to the pandemic and due to some shakeup in the, in the uh, company that he was partnering with in the deal. But he didn't quit, and he's found another way to do it. And we're, we're meeting with him next week to update some demand numbers for hotel rooms here on the coast. As you're aware, hotel business has been through the roof even during the pandemic. So we're, we're thinking our numbers may be good enough to maybe get a larger hotel. Good. Matt McDonald from the Coliseum, we appreciate you joining us. Good luck to you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Hey, y'all keep listening. We got more stuff coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.